treasures in heaven. There will our heart be. Thank you, choir, for such a beautiful, beautiful anthem. Last week, we heard how Jesus reproved the disciples for keeping young children away from him, saying, of such is the kingdom of God. And in today's scripture, the rich young man who appears next illustrates Jesus' point. He asks what he can do to inherit eternal life. And as Martha told the children just a moment ago, when Jesus tells him to give away his wealth and follow the Lord, he turns away. How unlike a trusting child is he. Let us hear God's word from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to him, teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing, go Sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, calling them children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible but not for God. For God, all things are possible. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In today's world... Corporations and congregations alike look for leadership qualities. Parents strive to equip their children with leadership skills, and young people aspire to be leaders. Obituaries usually draw attention to the leadership that the deceased has shown, and we value strong leaders in government, in community, and in the church. Apparently, we don't have time for the followers. Yet, I found a delightful story about a young man applying for admission to a prestigious college which admitted only 250 students per class. 
the boy's parents received a questionnaire to fill out in which, among other questions, was this one. Is your son or daughter a leader or a follower? Now, the parents pondered this question and concluded that while their son was a very able student, he was probably more of a follower than a leader. And this is what they indicated on the form. In due time, they received a letter from the college's admissions office. Their son had been accepted with the notation added in quotes. We are pleased that in a class of 249 leaders, we will have one follower. <laughs> now, it's, it's doubtful that any of Jesus' disciples saw themselves as leaders. Jesus never asked them to be, but called them to be faithful followers. Jesus himself was the leader, and they were asked to believe in him and to follow him. Only after listening to his teaching, learning to pray, helping to feed the hungry and care for the sick, were they equipped to lead the church after his ascension to the Father. So today, the church needs a few people who perceive themselves as leaders, movers and shakers, and many, many more people who are willing to be followers first. In fact, it is impossible to be a true leader in the Christian church without first being a follower of Jesus Christ. The man who approached Jesus in today's text was a leader, but he saw Jesus as an even greater leader, one who could give him eternal life. He had everything else, so why not this too? I wonder if he came to Jesus seeking what his money could not buy and his power could not get him. He knelt before Jesus and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, You know the commandments. To which the man replied, I have kept them all since my youth. Now Jesus' response to him is wonderful. He looked at him and loved him. Jesus loved this man. He didn't get angry with him because he was coming with wrong motives or because he was being pushy or difficult or simply just did not understand what Jesus was getting at. Jesus told him, you lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the man heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving. And as the older translation puts it, his countenance fell, for he had many possessions. Jesus wanted this rich, powerful, self-sufficient young leader to be completely dependent on him. In doing so, the man would have discovered that Jesus alone is his security and his hope, that Jesus is the source of life here and now and of life eternal. 
he was calling the young leader to be a disciple, a follower, to completely reorient his life and his values around God's will and way. But then Jesus turned to his disciples and remarked, saying, Children, how hard it will be for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus is not saying that we should suffer want as his followers. It's God's good and gracious will that we receive our daily bread and everything we need for abundant life. Our food and clothing, our home and shelter, work, family and friends, and good government. Heaven is described in the Bible as a banquet feast and life with God here and now. But Jesus says it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter heaven. But he's not saying that material blessings are wrong, but that they are God's gifts for us to share with those in need. Those who have been richly blessed are to use these resources to bless others. Now, as many of you know, I grew up in Iowa, right in the heart of the Midwest. And most of our food came from local farms. In fact, the restaurants in town served good old-fashioned Midwestern home-style meat and potato meals. There was no ethnic diversity in my hometown, which meant there were no ethnic restaurants, not even an Italian restaurant. Now, I recall the first pizza I ever ate being a frozen one from the grocery store. The name of the brand was Totino's. The Totino family started a restaurant in Minneapolis in the 1950s, one of the very first in the Midwest to specialize in Italian food. This may date me, I think, but their pizza was so well received that in 1962, Totino's entered the wholesale pizza business. And in a few years, the business had survived very difficult times and began to develop a nationwide reputation for excellence. The Pillsbury Company then purchased it for $20.3 million. And Mrs. Totino became the first woman vice president of Pillsbury. Financial worries were over for the Totinos. They had become independently wealthy. But the story doesn't stop there. On the day the sale was completed, Mrs. Totino gave $2 million to Northwestern College in St. Paul. It's a small Bible college in gratitude for its radio ministry, which she said had changed her life. And her husband, a Roman Catholic, gave $2 million to the Catholic schools of the Twin Cities out of gratitude for his moral and religious training. They had received much and were willing to give back much. But then there is another person 
Rachel Scott, who I knew had been a lifelong member in the Virginia church where I first served as pastor. She was a retired school teacher, not a wealthy person. In fact, she had gone back to school as a young widow with two boys to rear because she needed to support them. In her retirement, she sold her home, a small colonial bungalow, and moved into an apartment. She did not know what the future would bring for her or what her needs were going to be. But in faith, she decided to give a tithe from the sale of her home to God's work. We talked and prayed together, and she decided to give $10,000 to the mission of the church, which was also to refurbish and refurnish the church nursery for future generations of young lives. From what she had given, she gave and gave very generously. Now, as we begin our stewardship season, I know you may not be Mr. and Mrs. Totino with millions to give away, but like Rachel Scott, you can tithe what you have out of gratitude for Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Oh, by the way, I promise that if you will tithe, you will live quite well on the remaining 90%. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs>